This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jeff. Did you get a chance to listen to the Voices flagship this week? No, I didn't get to listen to the Voices flagship, but I normally never miss it. What what happened on it this week? Uh, they were talking about how uh, the wrestling in the WWE during Fastlane and in the build-up to WrestleMania was very good, but their storytelling stinks. Oh. It seems that, hey, we, we have matching opinions, so it, I'm, I'm very happy that, that across the platform, everybody kind of agrees that wrestling is really good, but storytelling really stinks. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So this is Shake Them Ropes. This is the other show, not the Voice of the Wrestling flagship show. I'm Chris Bruno. He's Jeff Hawkins, and we are here to do the second part of the week, 205 and both of the NXTs, NXT US and NXT UK. But before we get into that, the cleanup section, this is the part of the show where we mention stuff that we should have mentioned in the last show, but we didn't because we're not better at this. Jeff, was there anything what? like that? <laughs> Well, it's because we had eight hours to cover. And no, just... no, no, no. It's, it's, it's us slacking. It's us slacking. Oh, I, I have one. Um, I have one, too. Oh, well, apparently Gallus is from Scotland, Jeff, and you should have known that. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you were going to you die on that hill alone. I'm sorry. I ran away. Yeah. I, I'm a, I was a coward because I knew you were wrong. <laughs> if you knew I was wrong, you could have corrected me, but you didn't know I was wrong. Now you, I so, did. I told you they weren't from Ireland. I just didn't know which country in the UK they were from. There's only they, a couple. They the there's only a handful. It would have been Wales or it would have been Scotland or maybe, but it wouldn't have been Britain. We knew that. Okay. So <laughs> you have bad deductive reasoning. I, I just I just like watching people suffer, Chris. You know that. Well, um, <laughs> we've done plenty of that. I, I'm still here. Uh, what do you have, yeah. though, for the cleanup? Uh, we did not go over the Triple H Batista uh, promo. Okay. Well, you want me to give you what you want? Do you want me what to- What I really, really want? No, what do you want? So do you want me to- You need to give me what I want. <laughs> give me what I want, and I'll go away. You give me what I'm I want. I'm not going to give you what I want. This is gonna be, you give me what I want. It's going to be on my terms. This is going to be on my terms. Not your terms. Um, y- you know, <laughs> th- this whole, it's weird, because, like, if I actually break down the writing on this, it's really all over the place. Like, I liked the jumping of Ric Flair, and that was a real surprise, and really kind of caught my attention. This week was kind of goofy, but in weird ways, I still kind of like it. Um, I, I don't like Hunter's character in this, but I actually don't have a problem with Dave's. It's, well, uh, here, I I liked that it was directed to the point. There wasn't a lot of scenery chewing. I just, I still don't know. It, it, it's assumed that everybody wants to main event WrestleMania, and that's everybody's dream. So I guess that's why Dave has always wanted to main event WrestleMania with Hunter. But I'm just like, okay. But that's uh, not the option, right? Because they already have a main event, and the main event this year is Ronda Charlotte Becky. Well, there are there are co-main events. Oh, uh, well, yes, we're back to that. There are many main events, yes. many pri- many, priorities, many priorities, main ev- many main events. Every match that Hunter is in 
is a main event. That is true. At WrestleMania. That is true. <laughs> um, but it was like, give me what I want. No, give me what I want. Okay. <laughs> this isn't just a handout. This isn't just going to be a handout. Well, give it to me. Okay. Yeah. Just like, okay. That was, uh, <laughs> oh, you have your bodyguards out there? Yeah. <laughs> I did like the Guardians of the Indies line, and I also yeah, liked I that Hunter didn't go through all of those guys. That was too predictable, and I, I'm glad that they didn't go that route. It's <laughs> just like, I want this. Okay. I'm like, well, that was easy. Should have asked for more. If anybody ever gives in on a negotiation that easy, you know you could have had more. You know you could have, and you just you walk back and you kick yourself a bit. You, Damn it. Why did I ask for what I really wanted? Yeah, you know, the thing is that Batista didn't get the commitment from Hunter that this would end Hunter's career if Batista won the match. Right. Like, that to me would be the thing that he should have extracted there. I want your career on the line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, this should be career versus career, right? Yeah. So, let's start with the weakest of the three and get out of the way. NXT UK, what is the point of this show sometimes? I don't know some weeks, man. I just don't know. Again, they're not character building. They're showing me good matches, and I've liked most of the matches, but they're not. They're guys with gimmicks who go out there and do things. I, I still haven't Amir found out Jordan why. Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams do nothing for me, bro. I'm sure they're nice people. I have nothing against them as people. But, like, as an act, it's boring. And this whole long, slow story of, oh, this isn't a fluke, I still don't take them seriously. And we're several beats into this story. In, in part because Saxon Huxley goes from babyface to heel week in, week out, too. Um, <laughs> loser Brody. Yes, yeah, loser Brody. <laughs> Tyson T Bone. You know, I actually kind of like him, but I, I just there was nothing in that match for me. Yeah, you know what? It's a good story to tell, and I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. It's one of the more compelling things on this program. But there's no post mortem about you know getting to know these two. You know, giving, you know, in the They in don't the have a story, yeah, yeah, they don't have a story of them motivating each other and trying to get each other to succeed. There needs to be just like a little bit of internal drama for them. Yeah, they're not talking to the fans. It's all within this kind of corporate world of, hey, we're moving up the ladder now. Do, 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 do. And you're like, it's all around the corporation. And it's all around getting, you know, Sid, Sid Scala and Johnny Saints eye. And, it, and you know, it, it's just another... NXT territory that that has the same that same kind of uh, failings as every other WWE territory. I you know I love me some Flash Morgan Webster. I th- I think he looks great. I still haven't figured out or I still haven't heard why Wolfgang wanted to hang with the Coffee Brothers. Yeah, I, I mean, or what the Gallus agenda is at this point. Yeah, yeah, because they've already been emasculated by, depending on how you say it, Walter or Walter. Uh, right, is, right. I I appreciate I appreciate Nigel's um stick-to-itiveness to pronouncing it in the proper Austrian. You know what I did not appreciate <laughs> from Nigel this week was his comment about Amir Jordan how Amir Jordan is adding some spice 
to this division. Oh, I, I missed that. Um, I love the Cassius Ono world of sport invoking promo that he did. I, I don't know what they're going to be able to get going with Cassius Ono at this point because he's been in this holding pattern of like, I'm here to break up these shiny new toys and then doesn't really get meaningful wins over people. But I liked the promo. Oh, yeah. No, he gives a good, intense promo. I, I, I like him. I, I like him in this mix. Um, I, I also, the, the other thing that kind of flummoxed me a bit was why they kept the Noam Dar Mark Andrews thing on here when both are carted out during their match. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I don't know if that's going to make television at all, but if it does, it's interesting because I think Noam Dar, Dar is going to be out for like eight months at least. Why would you keep this promo in then? Because, yeah. yeah, this was clearly to set up the beginning of an extended story, and you, you're going to want him heal eventually when he comes back, but he, you could have just saved this promo, put it in the can, and been like, here's your comeback promo. Because there'd be a lot of goodwill when he returned. He'd be like, ah, it's yeah. good to be back, and he does the one-one thing, and he starts off babyface. I, I liked the open of this, and I liked how he twisted heel in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, you know, he's Gnome Dar. And again, our queen, Jenny, telling it like it is. Oh, you only want to talk to me because of Tony Storm? Loved, loved this little thing. I, I, I love her incredulousness at, at these reporters going, wait, you don't really want to talk to me. You just want to talk about this other person through talking to me. I, I, I like that touch. I thought that was pretty neat. Kaylee Ray just completely destroyed Candy Floss in about two minutes and 18 seconds. I like that. Good. Yeah, no, I agree. Good. That's yeah. how you introduce someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Candy Floss doing what she's there for. Um, Mustache Mountain. Uh, I, see, I saw NXT UK after I saw NXT US, so it was weird to see them do the promo for the match that I had just watched them lose. But <laughs> this, this was fine. This was fine. Uh, the main event... I'm going to I'm going to take the flagship's opinion of this because I agreed with it wholeheartedly. It's a tale of two matches. When Dunn and Walter are on the offense, it's great. When the Coffees are on offense, it's a struggle. Yeah, man, they just they don't have real good synergy, and it's surprising as they are brothers. So you'd kind of expect a little bit more tandem moves, a little bit. I don't know, just the stuff that you expect out of a brother's act and a brother's act that works as a tag team. Um, and yeah, I, I like when Walter's fired up. That was cool. The Dunn and Walter standoff and tension throughout the match. That was cool. But the coffee brothers could have been anybody, man. They could have been yep. anybody. Yeah. So again, well, I mean, I'm looking forward to that match being on NXT takeover for real. Uh, I I'm hoping it does some goodwill for NXT UK, the brand, but, uh, I like Cassius Ono being over there. I like this moving from territory to territory thing they're kind of doing with NXT. Yeah, and they're doing a little with 205, and they're doing it, yeah, on the NXT US as well. I, I, I think it's good to have that kind of flexibility between these different rosters. So whenever you need to shuffle things up, but you don't want to shuffle things up too, too much. One or two people coming over, that does it. That's nice. So let's move over to NXT US, shall we? You want to do that or 205? It doesn't well, matter. Well, you, you see, when you say it like that, the, the implication <laughs> is that you want me to take it into 205. So you know what? I'm going to call an audible, Jeff, of my own free will. Let's go into 205 Live. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of when you write a paper 
you know, you, you tend to you tend to go with your strongest point first, your weakest point in the middle, and your str- and the thing, uh, you know, your second strongest last. But I was also thinking when as we were transitioning, NXT US is the strongest of the three shows I thought this week. Although 205 had a lot that I liked about it, there's just not as much to talk about. No, no, there's not as much to talk about. It's just it's just good wrestling a lot of the times. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's wrestling you can sink your teeth into. Guys having good match at its best. It is guys having good matches that are being underappreciated by an audience but if you're a wrestling fan and you just pop it on this is good wrestling that's really well produced um i really good really good this week yeah too. yeah <laughs> absolutely so O'Neill Orkin and cedric alexander great match i think that this tournament has done wonders to establish O'Neill Orkin. like that this has gone perfect uh, for him for a guy who's not going to win this tournament um but now following you know, following WrestleMania and everything, Lorkin's in position to be a relevant player here on this roster. There is probably no wrestler on this roster that I've done a complete 180 on more than Oni Lorkin. He's a light heavyweight because, Cesaro, man. Well, I, I watched him in PWG for a number of years as Biff Busick. And as I watched him, I, I, I watched him and I looked at him and I go, well, he's kind of a smaller Tommaso Ciampa type a little bit daniel bryan early style in him too well just the look was kind of the same too and then i heard he was i heard he was signed by nxt slash wwe i knew he had had the background being trained by lance storm which means you know he's a good wrestler but he was never when i'd watch him in pwg i'd be like okay he's fine but he didn't stand out to me he was kind of like didn't wasn't that built he was doing some of the tough stuff and he was, you know, he was perfectly capable and I'd watch and I'd go, okay, that was great, but it didn't, it didn't move the needle for me. It didn't, it didn't make me w- run out in the streets and goes, you guys gotta see Biff Music. And I heard he was signed by the WWE. I go, they're gonna take a look at him and go, no sizzle. And, you know, his work rate will get him so far, but he's gonna be a guy to put over other guys. And I'd be, and you know, as you started to watch him when he debuted, that kind of do what he he was doing, and then he got into this Paul Birch program, and then the crowd really kind of started to turn, and then they became a team, and they became even more popular. And you're like, okay, in a perfect world, in a in a professional wrestling company, a guy like Oni Lorcan can succeed on the meritocracy. He's a guy that knows how to wrestle, knows how to get over, knows how to show emotion, all those other great things. In in WWE, which is more, look at this guy, does he look like a champ type thing? I had my doubts. They want baby faces who look like heels. Like, they want, you know, big, huge, muscly baby faces, um, and it makes it really hard for an underdog baby face like an Oni Lorcan character to have a spot in this universe. Yeah, and Oni also kind of, he wrestles a little bit heelish. Yes. Because he wrestles that strong style. Watch him, I think 205 and NXT is is his wheelhouse. I think I think if he can go in between the three shows, the him 205 and, and the two NXTs. have a really fun feud here on 205 Live. Yes. And they'll have the time yes. to have really good matches. And Drew's another one where I... I was bored to tears by Drew Gulak and Timothy Thatcher in PWG. And then he comes on here and he sh- But see, Drew Gulak has an advantage in that... He's got charisma, That PowerPoint dude. stuff... Oh. That PowerPoint stuff got him over. Yes. It yeah. did. Yeah. He never should have dropped that. Yeah, because you knew you, he could make you laugh. And the charisma did it. So, but this match with... Uh, 
between Oni and Cedric Alexander. I I dug the hell out of this, and you could and you could tell the rest of the crowd did too. I I absolutely adored this match. I old school me thought after the uh, half and half off the top turnbuckle that has to be a pinning win. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I I I didn't. But you know, Cedric plays the kind of the dead man so well when he's kind of do, blown up like a like a blowfish after you know basically being killed. Well, my thing is with the half that, and that half, that's a super special. Lorcan uses that. Like the half and half is a pinning combo for Lorcan a lot of times. So you know, doing it off the top ropes, it really should have been a, a pinfall. But like that's a quibble. That's a quibble. And what got Oni over in this match was his chops. Yeah. Those things were thundering to the point where the rest of the crowd was, like, in pain hearing it. I like that. Uh, you know what I didn't like? I didn't like Arya Davari and this promo. I feel like we have managed to somehow regress. Like, initially, when he first showed up after that injury, he was, uh, you and I, heavy on the needle. Like, we were very into this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This promo this week, I, I have never been colder on Arya Davari. This is just running in sand. I laughed at the term obsequious lapdog, yeah. which sounds like yeah. a, <laughs> it sounds like a ska band from 1997. You know, I saw them open for Fishbone in Virginia Beach or something like that. Yeah, I, I know a couple of their riffs. I, I might play some on the way out here. Um, so Mike and Maria get scolded by Drake Maverick. If he keeps losing Jeff, he might get removed from 205 Live. Oh no! I hope that Mike can turn it around. And even if he loses valiantly, he still might get cut. Um. Okay. So I'll put it to you. Does he? Is this the end of Mike Canales? Are they going to give him his wish and, and release him, even though he said that he never went for his release? Or is he going to overcome this, quote-unquote? What does overcoming this look like? That is what I've been trying to figure out. It means it means he becomes a full-fledged part of the roster as some sort of respected wrestler. No, no, I know that. But I, I'm trying to figure out, in terms of matches, what does overcoming this look like? I have an idea. Okay. Here. I think they're going to debut Kushida here. Okay. And have him, and have, and have, have Canelo lose to him. Oh, and have oh, so then what? Then he loses to Kashuda, and then what? Uh then he's cut. Okay, okay. So, so he's not going to get redeemed, is what we're saying. No, I don't think this is redemption at okay. all. This feels this like this is sending him packing. This, this is sending him packing. That's okay. what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I just you know, it's it's a pretty finite universe here. Uh, redemption angle for. Mike at this point would probably be like defeating Tazawa and maybe the Brian. I came Kendrick. up with a, I came up with a second story. Okay, though in my head, and I don't know. Let Let's say old Drake Maverick puts on the tights one more time and beats Mike Canellis. That would be fun. Or Canellis is able to save his job by beating Drake Maverick, and we get some like major that, heat yeah, on that Mike. Could be yeah, it too, like that'd be a good way to get some heat on Mike. Boy, do I not want to see. No authority figure no. in the ring. No, and, and I, 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 I really like Drake Maverick. I, I loved him when he was Rockstar Spud. I thought he was just fantastic. But, yeah. but he doesn't. He doesn't need to be in the ring. Yeah, he needs to. He needs to be. <laughs> honestly, he needs to be paired with EC3 again. But that's that's me. Yeah. No, I I, uh, I agree with you. That would actually be fun. And then I mean, and to open the show, we had this very fun Tony Nese Drew Gulak match. Yes. Which, oddly enough listening to the crowd the crowd was like why is this going so long and then it kind of broke through that wall of going so long that people started to appreciate that it was going so long. you know part of it is that 
the crowd is not fully kind of on board with the Tony Nese face turn right. part of the story here. That's exactly correct. Because he came That's out this exactly week. Correct. I don't know if you noticed this. You know what he didn't do when he came out this week? Count his abs. He did not count his abs this week. We're on that arc now. And I think the other part, too, what would have been really, really useful here is a recap from last year's tournament of the match between Nice and Gulak, where Gulak was absolutely ruthless to Tony Nice. In that match in particular, he was merciless to Nice. It was about really establishing Gulak. But it would be, especially if you re-edited it the right way, a perfect way to show why Tony Nice needs to get his comeback here. Well, yeah, but they did. See, that's so weird because they didn't do that. They didn't do that at all. They just said, well, these two have had a bit of a history, but it's like, no. Uh, not just a bit of no. a history. It's one of the most significant, like, pairings yeah. on this roster. Like, it's up there with Mustafa and Cedric in terms of how much story you have invested between these two, or like Tazawa and the Brian Kendrick. I could not believe. I, I just couldn't believe that they didn't go into that part of it and they didn't talk about how, oh, yeah, you know, Nisan and Gulak were friends and then Gulak. Beat the crap out of him, you know. To, you know, but then you got then you got to tiptoe around Enzo. So, yeah, I, that's the tough part. Is you know, a big part of the betrayal story involves Enzo a little bit, and like when they were on the Zoe train and Gulak decided to jump knees. But there's the other part of that that's completely not dependent on that. Um, but yeah, yeah. once Drew became better, two hundred five live Drew. Yeah, I, it, it was all there. I liked this match. I thought it was good. It's it's a good story. Um. This needs a little bit more storytelling again because we're too. We're, we have not had a babyface Tony Nice ever on two hundred five live. There have been a few teases in the past, but I, I think that this is still kind of a new concept for some members of the audience. It is, but I think I think you're gonna get it. Yeah, after next week because I think because you know they don't tell these stories well. But Tony Nese is probably going to beat Cedric, I think. And then it's going to be the heat between the former training partner yep. and the guy that he did. And then they're, they're going to really, they're going to ham- hammer that, you know, with the, with the absolute no subtext hammer. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see Murphy attack Nice going into this match. Like when, when right. they're doing the contract signing or something like that, where Nice tries to be cool about this and be like, Hey, look, man, we're friends. This is, this is about my dream. This is about being at WrestleMania. And Murphy crosses that line. Yeah. No, oh, definitely. That's what's going to happen. I mean, he's going to, he's going to come go, Hey, man. You know what? Under your tutelage, I learned so much, and I'm now my, you know, I'm now, you know, on your level. And then Murphy just beats the crap out of him. All right. So I think that wraps up 205 Live, which brings us into NXT US and our opening match of the Forgotten Sons. Forgotten No More, Jeff, versus Mustache Mountain. And, and let me tell you, it's hard to have less than an okay match with Mustache Mountain, but the Forgotten Sons managed to defy expectations and, and pull out a, a just okay match with Mustache Mountain. Um, not unlike what we were talking about the NXT US event. For me, this is sort of a tale of two matches where uh, when Mustache Mountain's on offense, it's entirely engaging, and when the Forgotten Sons are being Forgotten Sons, I want to forget about them. Only slightly disagree because I'll tell you what I was doing during during the crux of this match was I was watching Trent Seven, and I was watching the little things he was doing, and the thing that got me. We we've said for I've been saying for the past couple of weeks he's becoming my favorite babyface on on the entire any roster anywhere, him yelling for Tyler. 
it was such a little small addition, but being in pain with the knee and yelling, Tyler, Tyler, you know, calling out for his partner, trying to crawl over there, put over on the top. This guy can get sympathy from just about anything. They they went back to the knee storyline, which I think I like that they continue to go back to that as a weakness, because I think if I, I just like continuity like that, I think it's a good move. Forgotten Sons. Look, Vince McMahon's favorite television show ever is Sons of Anarchy. I think they're getting the move up to the main roster after Mania. I do. I, I think they're they're going to be one of these teams. Well, let me tell you about a little group known as Sanity, Jeff. D- they're not bikers. Yeah, let me tell you about another group called the DOA. No, you're exactly correct. They're gonna they're gonna be on TV for two weeks. They're gonna get absolutely no heat behind them because they're gonna be presented, you know, somewhat weak, somewhat you know, lumbering. They'll get a they'll get a win over like the B team. And then they'll be, you know, backstage for, for different vignettes. Like, and they'll occasionally come out and lose to like the Usos or the Good Brothers or whoever. But yeah, if they get brought up, they're going to be forgotten pretty quickly. That's sad because they're the forgotten sons. That makes me, that makes me poignant. It makes me misty. It makes me wistful, really. They will not do unto others. No. Yeah. They, there will not be much doing. So we get to Bianca Belair versus Io Shirai in a number one contenders match that gets ended in a no contest when Shayna Baszler leaves commentary and goes down and attacks everyone. And I thought this maybe made Shayna look a little too strong. I, I thought that this is a bit over the top. I sort of agree. Um, I, <laughs> there was a lot I liked about this though. I loved Morrow's incredulousness. And I've used that word a couple times tonight. I apologize for, you can go with incredulity if you want. Incredulity will be good at at Shayna's Shayna's outright dismissal of Io Shirai. Oh yeah, she's one in Japan. <laughs> it's like Morrow Morrow is the voice of every smart fan after that going, but but she's the best wrestler to come from Japan in a long time. <laughs> I absolutely adore just kind of that. It, it sounded like it almost literally threw him off that she would dismiss her so quickly. No, I, but to that uh, point, for a lot of people who are not as familiar with their work over in Japan, I, I think it's still, at this point in her NXT run, it's important for her to not have moments that make you kind of like laugh at her. And when she kind of walked into the Terrafuda clutch from Shayna Baszler, yeah, 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 that was a bit much. Yeah, but uh, but the, before the match ended, I, I thought these two had good chemistry. It was just a little too heavily choreographed at times for my taste, but I think they move well against you. I mean, Bianca especially. Yeah, no, Bianca looked really looked sharp like in this match. Problems. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and for me, the other thing I was I really watched that I that I took notes on was um, during the the Shayna slaughter, the acting of how Kyrie approached it versus how Io approached it. And Io is a far better actress than Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane, she's adorable, but but her feud with Shayna is little sister versus big sister. When she did the periscope thing before running down to the ring, I let out an audible groan because she's not in the pirate costume. Okay, it, th- that was such a sports entertainment move. You know, it, it's the looking at the trophy before you go into a tag team match. 
for the tournament type thing. It's like everybody has to be hypnotized by that stupid trophy and take that moment because it makes for good TV. No, you don't need to do that. You just, you know, we get it. It's a high stakes tournament. Sane looked the goofiest of this because she chose to come out after Baszler was already making her move and then ended up in Baszler's clutches. And then when EO went to save her. Right. EO turning her back on Baszler while knowing that Baszler was not fully dispatched at that point, I thought made EO look a bit silly. But but watch how the two of them also go to sleep. I mean, it, it, EO at least looked a little bit realistic doing it while Kyrie just kind of went out real quick, and you're just like, okay. But yeah, I, I, I agree. It kind of made Shayna look a bit too strong, but at the same time, I don't mind having your champion I really being like a Shana. top heel. Right, yeah. I, 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 it's hard. I, I don't hate on Shayna and I'm good with her looking strong it's just man going into this four-way now I think she actually ends up losing this title but it seems kind of silly considering how you know she's been manhandling all of these people yeah you just kind of want to I mean after she said nobody in the locker room can take me on I just kind of want her to walk through the locker room put everybody to sleep because they won't team up on her you know just 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 cut a wide swath and just just go look I've knocked everybody out screw you all now y'all have to come after me you know, three on one, pretty much. I mean, but it's it's kind of the same story as the Ronda story on the main roster, too, at the same time. So this four-way, I feel like, is going to be the vehicle where EO and uh, Kyrie end up start having tension. You'd think that. And I'd think that, too, in a normal world. But sometimes, I mean... We, the start, the start. No, no, no. See, like, where, where you and I have gotten in trouble in the past, when I go back and kind of forensically analyze our predictions, we're, like, sometimes a beat ahead on this stuff. So it'll be like the tease of tensions. There'll be a tension spot, but it's not going to be the big betrayal moment. Yeah, well, (laughs) we we know how they do this, too, sometimes, is they give us that beat, and they back off of it for way too long to the point where it doesn't matter anymore, and then they hit the beat again, and it's like, yeah, but it wasn't earned this time. You know, it's the Mandy and uh, Sonya story type of thing, where it's like, oh, they turned on each other, but now they're friends again. It's like, okay, whatever. No, I I get it. They, They may sow some seeds here, and... I'm all in for Kyrie versus EO. I really am in the WWE. I think they, but I think they still have to get to the tag team match versus, uh, I- I'm pretty sure they're going to do it. They have to do a tag match versus Bailey and Sasha because Bailey and Sasha are probably in the back screaming. We want to face those two. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that might be the, see, there you go. So, so maybe the t- story is a little two step where they have this match, a little bit of tension. Bailey and Sasha come out, challenge Kyrie and EO. And then we see that tension escalate as they lose that match. And then for the main event, this masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I love the story of Heal DIY. Yeah. I do. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Oh, man. Oh, man. And and it's funny because Alistair and Ricochet are a far better team than I ever thought they'd be. They have really good team chemistry. And that wasn't just yeah. the story of this match. It's a thing that has really started to gel together in in very short order. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of them. They're getting a lot of work. Uh, but this team is now as established as any team on the roster at this point. Ricochet and Aleister Black are a serious team. It, it's an interesting thing because they've almost painted themselves a bit into a corner here because they've moved them up, quote-unquote, officially, or at least they're giving them... They're giving them credibility on the main roster, and they're fighting for the NXT Tag Team titles. There is an excuse out there, if they wanted to. I don't think they will, but if they wanted to, and they don't think that, 
you know, because Vince is weird about small guys, if they don't think Ricochet and Alistair have it, to give them the NXT tag titles here and just keep them down there. Because they're not going to bring up Gargano, probably, again, because of the whole Ciampa thing. Because they were kind of a package deal. Right, right. They have an out. They have an out if they want it. But great match. I, I, I liked the story of it. I liked the way it ended. But the post-match was a thing of genius. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Not only did it hit all the notes, you know, of, of the original turn. It's almost like a mirror opposite world version of the Dusty Rhodes and Ole Anderson story when when Dusty basically begged Ole Anderson to team up with him against the Assassins. And Ole gives that promo where he's like, look, I had to be a babyface for three, two years, three years, and then I got Dusty to come to me. Gargano acted like a heel for a few months and got champa to come to him and at the moment of truth uh-uh this was all a ruse it, it it has nobody saw this really but it has so many long-term seeds to it now that you look back on it that they probably just got lucky with to be honest with you with the johnny gargano heel turn that people didn't absolutely turn off on him for that right right but it ended up in the end being magnificent. Yeah, I really like this. I, I I like that Johnny always knew exactly what he was doing in that little beat in the scene with Candace a few weeks ago where he says, you just got to trust me at the end of the episode. Uh, yep, yep. And to get that to wrap back around, and it really is about him trusting. Like, this works as a standalone ending, even though it's just meant to be the ending of a chapter. It's such a satisfying resolution to so many notes in the story that though it's not a satisfying ending to the story it's an okay stopping point it really is it's funny because when we were think they were making big moves they were just dropping little hints they're just dropping them all along the way to to lead you along the trail to get to this point it it, it's it 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 took planning and it almost backfired on them i mean really that johnny gargano heel turn almost blew up in their face because you know people like us overanalyzed it probably a bit too hard to see what they're doing because we thought he was really a heel and you know how are they going to get out of this and why are they blowing all this goodwill they've they've built up with him and stuff like that but well, sometimes well, the heel thing was actually happening going into some of those Tommaso Ciampa matches too yeah yes. so crazy johnny yeah. was sort of a thing where he was like a tweener in one of those uh, takeover You're exactly matches. exactly correct. Yeah. His obsessiveness made him so unlikable that he was a heel. He pretty much was. It was almost, I mean, like, on, on that third match, you know, you could hear, I mean, the commentary, and especially that who are, you know, a lot of them are NXT's core audience, was like, you know, oh, we get another overwrought, overdramatic Ciampa Gargano feud where Gargano blows it in the end and... All these other things, and I didn't mind it because I was enjoying the ride, quite frankly. I mean, they were some, I mean, watching those matches live, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I remember, I think it was the New Orleans match. I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, it would be so perfect if he got, if he got the, uh, if he got the, uh, what, what's the name of his finisher? The, uh, the submission. Oh, the Gargano escape. 
the Gargano escape. It'd be so great if he got the Gargano escape on with the leg brace. It would be so perfect. And he did have just like, this is just fulfilling everything I want in a feud. This is great. I love it. So The money's in the chase, guys. The money's in the chase. Come on, wrestling fans. God, it feels so good to watch. It feels so good to watch something so well scripted. It does. Well, you know, this is a company that wants to be considered for Emmys and that sort of thing. And so we look at this as though you're assessing a television show and the writing of a television show that wants to be Emmy considered. Jerry Springer does not nominate themselves for Emmys. It sounds like such a familiar point. Chris. I know, I know. I hear it from some of the greats. What I do is I listen <laughs> to the greats and I just take their points and I and then I present them as my own. It makes me smart. You, you are the Milton Burl of wrestling pundits. I like to think of myself as a bit of uh, Dane Cook with a little bit of Carlos Mencia sprinkled in. Well, that's pretty much what they did too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, the uh, tapings happen this week, and uh, we will. We'll be seeing how they paint themselves out of the uh, main event with four weeks left. Um, I have faith in them because every takeover is phenomenal. And and you've already uh, got one piece of this puzzle in Johnny Gargano. So, you know, how bad is it going to be with Johnny Gargano as 50% of this equation? Oh. Maybe uh, Lars Sullivan comes back. Oh, God. (laughs) What did you think of, uh, of the Matt Riddle, Adam Cole? Um, you know, uh, I I need Riddle to be a little more serious more often. Like the bro stuff is, it's just a bit grating. And like the problem with Adam Cole. So now that Tommaso Ciampa is injured, Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era, when I'm like looking at this roster, are going to have to have a more oversized role here. Uh, I wouldn't hate it if Adam Cole beat Matt Riddle. Oh yeah, he cheats, you know, somehow somebody kicks riddle in the head and he gets a pinfall yeah that'd be fine i i think actually the undisputed era needs to get going here and uh, knocking matt riddle down a peg would be a good thing i'm i'm debating riddles uh director notes a little bit because part of me wants <laughs> part of me liked that he wasn't all happy-go-lucky during the entire promo he's like i'll see you in the ring bro and then part of me thought well what if he was just you know that you know, disconnected from reality where he's like, all right, I'll see you in the ring, bro. <laughs> Just walks away and flummoxes thing. I think I'd probably call it stupid. So I have to be true to myself, but I'm also wondering if, 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 uh, which I liked the darker bro or, light and, and happy bro i just still don't feel like in in terms of what i have seen on nxt television there's actually a really good wwe uh i forget the name of the show but they did like a package thing on uh matt riddle that was really good but in terms yeah, of chronicle. yeah the chronicle on matt chronicle. riddle was really good but i i don't feel like on this nxt roster like what is matt riddle all about i, I i'm still kind of a little lost in that he's the bro guy and we we think he smokes pot although we never get to that explicitly yeah that's pre- and that's pretty much the depth of all character development here. right right and and, and i need a little you know, bit I mean, more adam, i need adam, more than that out of my baby face it's like yes okay you say bro and may or may not do other things outside of the ring but what else Oh, and then we'll we'll get the guy who uh, you know we'll we'll get the guy who says bro, and we'll team him up, or we'll put him up against the guy who says baby, and says and it's undisputed. 
You know, I mean, that's pretty much the level of every feud you're getting here. And then we have to fill in the blanks. Oh, no, this makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I mean, like, I, I can say it makes sense in the sense that the Undisputed Era wants to get back into the title conversation. Matt Riddle pan- fancies himself as part of the United States title conversation, so or the North American Championship conversation, so I can see why Adam Cole wants to be back in that picture. Um, and maybe this ends up being a triple threat at TakeOver uh, between Adam Cole, Matt Riddle, and Velveteen Dream. Maybe that's where we're going. Hit him with the plugs, Chris. Well, my other show is called Don't Worry About the Government. You can find that at don'tworry.tv. You can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. Jeff is Carp Game um, at C-R-A-P-G-A-M-E-13. That's Crap Game or Carp Game if you want. I mean, I would call him Carp Game, but that's just me. You can, of course, leave us a review on iTunes and Stitcher. We haven't had a review in a while, Jeff, and, and if people leave us a review... I will read that review on the air. As long as it's a good review. Well, as long as it's a good review, sure, you can, yeah. You can also join us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. For as little as a dollar a month, you get some really good quality episodes like our deep dive into the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kindler, Andy Kindler, Andy, Kindler. Andy Kaufman program. Andy Kindler would be very, very interesting. Just nothing but snark there. Um, it would be just a different feud so- altogether, different generations between Lawler and Andy <laughs> Kindler. Our our deep dive into the careers of Muda and Hakushi, uh, our watching of the Great American Bash 1985. So there's some fun stuff up there, and uh, we may be putting some something up there sooner rather than later. Yeah, so yeah. That's uh, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. I'm going to pick something out here this weekend, and we will watch that. So go and check that out. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and until we talk to you next week, bye. <laughs>